This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I, I'm going to take it from here, Jason. Okay, okay yeah, you Thanks. do this one. Okay. This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, Session 100, an interview with Jason Lynette. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Break out the party hats. Here we go, kids. It's session number 100 of the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast. And this conversation that you're about to listen to is one that has been in the works for quite some time. So much that the uh, the co-host of the program uh, this week uh, wrote a little bit of a song around it as well, which you're going to hear in a couple of moments. The story goes, I have known Richard Cole for, uh, at this point, I think we go back to 2007, maybe even 2006. And by wonders of the internet, we've been on the phone many times. We've been best friends on Facebook for several years. And honestly, Richard and I have never actually met each other in person. And even before, even before I had Richard on the program as a guest, uh, he had reached out to me to say, when you get to session number 100, Jason, I want to interview you. So this has been in the works, and here we go. Now, what's great about this is that, yes, the tables turn, and Richard is then asking me some of the same questions that that I've asked people like him and many other guests. You're going to hear some stories around lessons I've learned. You're going to learn a little bit more behind what drives this podcast and why we're keeping gunning, and you'll be hearing similar themes as we reach session number 200 as well. There's an accountability check. Uh, there's a theme that we're also going to hit on that uh, is a great one, because uh, I'd share, he does ask the question of taking the knowledge that I have now back to myself at a younger age, and it's where I'm really of the opinion. Well, I'd give you an example of this. Very often, I will ask a client a question. And let's just say, let's say it's a client who's here to quit smoking in my office. And there's something to be gained by asking the question of, if you knew then what you know now, would you have even started smoking in the first place? And by asking that question, you're going to learn a lot about that client. If they say, oh, no, I never would have smoked. Well, they're giving you a hypnotic contract. You can do an age regression to the first cigarette. You can do a changing personal history. You can do a whole bunch of different tactics to step into the lifestyle as if they never smoked before. Now, if they say they wouldn't change a thing, well, then you shouldn't do those other techniques because they're telling you that that's not their model of the world. And I, I bring that up because there's a theme that very often I live by. And I, I tend to be on the side of... I wouldn't change anything. Instead, I wish the lessons may have arrived a little bit sooner. So it's where, as we're traveling through our lives, we're gathering momentum, we're gathering education, we're meeting new people. And if anything, to have made the epiphanies, the discoveries, some of the personal transformations uh, a little sooner, as it were. You know, very often there's an anecdote that I may be getting the timing, the history, the details wrong, but I think there was a story one time where there was an interview with George Harrison, of course, from the Beatles, and even after the band broke up, he was talking about 
how he and John Lennon were good friends, yet John was a few years older. And even into their adulthood, even after the music career together was over, George was still under the presupposition that, uh, yeah, John's a few years ahead of me. John's got things more figured out than I am. And, you know, to have the knowledge sooner, as it were, I think is a valuable lesson. And even so, it's how in the change process with my clients, I'm looking to, and this is an interesting phrase, we should do a whole session on this, I'm looking to dissolve the novelty that the change is different. You know, when they're leaving and they're thrilled, oh, I haven't drank in three weeks, this is so cool. Here's a guy I'm working with today for Fear of Heights, and he's already looking forward to the travel that he's doing. And for him to be observing it as something novel, you know, we sort information as to whether it's the same or whether it's different. And how much better is it to live as if you always had that knowledge, as if that was something you always knew, or at least had gained that learning sooner and you're past that learning curve of things being fresh. So I wanted to highlight that because that's something that uh, Richard brings up inside of this conversation and uh, something that we wrap up on on wonderful themes. Uh, we're going to cover everything from stories of previous podcast guests to lessons learned to uh, technical errors and revisiting recordings to the people who surprised me, as well as, of course, he does ask me about uh, my favorite Weird Al Yankovic songs. Huge fan. Uh, so with that in mind, we're about to jump in. To learn more, of course, let me point you to uh, Richard. Uh, to learn more about Richard, of course, you can check out him at thathypnotistguy.com. But in the meantime, it turns out session 100 is all about me by his choosing. So here we go. This is session number 100. Oh, and by the way, he did write a theme song for this session. So rather than our usual uh, musical interlude here, you're about to hear, and if you really care to know the exact reference, a Corky and the Juice Pigs style song from Richard Cole, all about Jason Lynette. So proud to be here. Session number 100, an interview with Jason Lynette. I know that guy. Jason Lynette, hypnotist and entrepreneur. Jason Lynette, he's a great guy for sure. Whether he's helping you solve your problems or helping you with business success, it's Had to open my beer there. Ah. <laughs> Afternoon. Where That's I how am. we started. <laughs> That's how it gets started. Hey, uh, it's uh, Jason Lynette. Wow, man. Hey, Richard. This is, uh, how many podcasts have you done now? This is number 100. 100. You know, we I will, remember. We will forgive the two that I think uh, were lost. Um, I can tell you the ones that were lost. <laughs> tell me the ones that were lost. Uh, on purpose or by accident? By accident. As I, <laughs> as I discovered, you copy what's on the memory card rather than move what's on the memory card. There's a life <laughs> lesson for you. Um, so look forward to maybe sometime in the near future, uh, David Prudhomme and Ruth, Ruth Schneider back on the program uh, for take two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What do they call that? Deleted scenes. Deleted exactly, scenes. exactly. <laughs> Back out. Very cool. I remember years and years ago, um, back in our youth, 
um, when I believe it was Facebook or some forums were just brand new. Uh, uh, there is a picture of a friend of mine uh, named Jason Lynette, and he was standing at the base of a mountain in Alaska. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was, I got a call. Uh, the story behind that, just the brief version, was that uh, I think I still own this, or maybe I don't. I, I should look. The Wonders of uh, Digital Businesses. Um, I owned uh, fundraisinghypnotist.com. And a high school in Juneau, Alaska did a Google search because they wanted a fundraising hypnotist. And of course, I popped up first. And I got to travel out there and do a series of three shows uh, for a high school that had just opened up. And the wonders of the event was, you know, it's the off season up there. It was February. And uh, that photo was, yes, at the base of a mountain. But really, I forget the name of it, but the, the base of a glacier uh, Very cool. that we were out there. And it was me. Um, in a full suit, overcoat, dress shoes, and just going, I'm getting the picture. Because <laughs> Michelle had gone with me for that trip. And uh, yeah. As as the spouses often do, you know, if you're going to somewhere really neat and cool, they're, uh, they're right there with you. Make sure you get two tickets. But if it's somewhere like not too pleasant, they, uh, they usually will let you go alone. Although in this case, um, it was a fundraiser that uh, I think now that we're almost 10 years later, we can tell the rest of the story, um, All right, which then. <laughs> was that I, I, as I showed up, you know, as part of this, we were putting together, it was a really cool experience because I did uh, a radio show appearance and well, but no, really the story is as I showed up in Juneau, we had shipped like 500 or a thousand full color posters for them to promote this show, uh, the series of shows. And as I landed, I was picked up by the booking contact, and she still had the sealed box in the back of her SUV. <laughs> to which the thoughts of sightseeing and taking tours became, well, damn, if there's going to be an audience, I got to build this thing. So um, it was a nice lesson about making media happen quickly, because uh, I, just, I just walked into the local news stations, and they went, okay, let's do something. Um, I walked into a radio station, and the cool part was I did three appearances on three different stations with three different hosts who were all voiced by one guy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, sadly, the experience was in the booking time, they go, oh, is your wife coming? We'll pay for her plane ticket, too. When the story now goes, if they hadn't bought her ticket, they would have actually shown a profit. Instead, they just about broke even. So, um but they got a fantastic series of shows that the students all enjoyed, so all were happy. And you got an exceptional picture. Exactly. And a trip to Alaska, And a right? trip to Alaska, yeah. Yeah, very cool. And it sounds like, you know, you've, um, you've always been a, a go-getter. Like, you, if, if you wanted to make something happen, you made it happen. Like, when you saw those posters in the back seat, it's like, okay, well, let's go, let's go paper the town. Right, right. It was so often, and there's a quote that's come up recently that, um, you know, the podcast that I'm doing here with you now is one that really formed because I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and the the actor, comedian, impersonator Kevin Pollack uh, really revitalized his career thanks to podcasting, and I heard him at an interview one time say, if you're not creating, you're waiting. And to always go into things with the mindset of, hey, this is going to be fun. Let's see what happens. 
you know, and maybe that was from the theater background of, um, you know, I, I, the, one of the quotes that I live by these days is the paraphrase from Lauren Michaels, uh, Canadian, uh, for Saturday yeah. Night Live, which was, um, whether we're ready or not, the show goes live at 1130. Mm-hmm. And just that mindset of, okay, this is what I'm doing. Let's make this happen. Very cool. Very cool. And as far as the podcasts go, uh, I mean, it, this is this is 100 and change. Uh, outside of your bromance with uh, Shawn Michael Andrews and uh, Sheila Granger, um, what, uh, who has been your favorite? I'll, I'm sure you have lots of favorites. Who have you talked with that, that was really an exceptional podcast? Yeah, let's see. I would say... Outside of uh, that hypnotist guy. Outside of, of uh, the man with the banana. Um, <laughs> no, and it's where <laughs> the, the political game is to now list all of them and go through vivid detail of so many lessons mm-hmm. and learnings. And it's true that, you know, there's a lot of connections there. There are a lot of uh, conversations that often happened. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one of the filters that surprised me about this. Um, that, of course, the easiest strategy is someone now recording this much content would be, hey, reach out to the people you already know. Though mm-hmm. the thrill for me has been using this as a mechanism to capture that first conversation. So whether it was folks like Jonathan Chase or Mike Mandel, um, you know, the, the first time we actually talked, uh, the one I did with Anthony Galey, the first time we ever had a conversation was on the recording. Um, if I could really highlight one that I think stands out uh, because of one nuance of the conversation, it's the one that I had with someone who's a good friend now, Scott Sandland, because we were just having the conversation. The whole premise behind this program is that you go to a convention, you go to a training, and the information is solid, and you meet a lot of great people, though some of the best lessons you would learn are what's happening in the hallways what's happening at the restaurants and the bars, the after hours, just the, the long form conversation as opposed to the rehearsed style interview. So, I mean, it's where if you listen to this program from start to finish, you can notice there's a clear moment where the format changed, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll give you the marker. I stopped using the word interview and they're now conversations. And the one with Scott really stands out, the part one with Scott, because it was just us talking about you know, finding your own style inside of your process. Uh, you know, he would say, be a chef, not a cook. That, you know, but there's a clear moment where you don't yet know your style, your approach, your methodology until you've really been, as I say, that, that hypnotic worker and you're really out there doing the work. And there's some interesting moments where in that recording, uh, you hear me, not for the gotcha moment, but just kind of throw him off because I asked him a question that he hadn't thought about yet, and he spends it back to me as well. Fireside chats. Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, well, being Canadian, we have lots of warm warm fireside chats up here because that's the temperate climate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. Have you had any... Um, uh, any any funny uh, conversations with people? Like, is there a moment in your podcast that stands out in your memory as being humorous? I would say um, there are moments where clearly we don't agree on something, yet we definitely agree in terms of having the right to that opinion. If that makes sense. Um, though there's a, there's a part two that finally resurfaced where, uh, I received a phone call one day 
And uh, as someone who honestly really hasn't interacted with his work for reasons that should be quite clear, um, when I got a phone call and it was the uh, man behind Seduction.com, Ross Jeffries, that basically called as a fan of the show. And I, and I knew of his legacy. I knew the things he had taught and I knew the communities he had interacted with. And um, you can actually hear it on, I believe, part two, where we had done at that point, I was in interview mode. And mm -hmm. suddenly he just threw that wrench in the gears to go, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. And it's a point where I made it a point in that part two of that recording, which I'm cheating here and looking at my uh, archives here. Uh, for your reference, I believe that is number something or another, number 76, where I think we started that program. And I'm wrapping up the conversation, and then suddenly the man who I had a lot of preconceived notions on, the man who mm -hmm. I had some strongly held opinions on, despite the fact I had never actually – I had heard of what he used to teach, but I had never actually seen it myself as I was already wonderfully married and in a relationship. <laughs> so the whole need for the pickup stuff was just not of my interest. Um, but it's where suddenly – He's asking questions about doing hypnotic pain relief for a family member who's going through surgery for cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hearing that human moment, and it's why I made it a point on session number 76. I, I begin that recording with the storytelling of Aesop's fables of the, uh, the lion with the thorn in its paw where it's the classic story of you have this preconceived notion, but to realize, oh, wait, this is another individual who has concerns who has family members that they're caring for, that wants to help in every way they possibly can. So there, there have been times where you sometimes would have this expectation as to who this person is and what they stand for. And again, it's that fireside chat format mm -hmm. to really delve deeper and, and realize there's more layers to discover. Very cool. Very cool. Have you learned outside of that? Have you learned anything on these podcasts? Absolutely. I'm... I, I listen to it as much as anyone else would. And it, it's really, well, there's a story that kind of dates back and kind of gives you the intention as to how this got launched. Um, we can take the story back to about maybe 2009, 2010. Uh, my wife and I got married in 2008. And I keep referring to a time span of my life of being BC, which in our case is before children. And... <laughs> I was kind of plotting out that I had a passion towards going off and taking classes and going to conventions and going to different workshops and getting that extra piece of paper on the wall. And here I was traveling out to Portland, Oregon for Jeffrey and Wendy Ronning. And, oh, Don Motten's doing a one-day pediatric hypnosis in Dallas. I'll fly through Dallas and make that fit. You know, so ravenous yeah. for information. So the the experience was... I kind of had crafted this like five-year plan of some of the advanced trainings that I wanted to do. And then as we moved, then as uh, we decided to have kids, it became, you know what, let me do all these trainings now. So to walk around my office, the, the, the wall candy, let's call it as it is, um, yep. they oddly are all mostly in the same time frame. Uh, because it was the realization that once the kids are here, I'm not going to be able to get away as easily. So let's just do it all now. So that jumping in. So there came a point in time where I haven't done this as much recently, but I was hosting a lot of guest trainings. So we brought Sheila Granger over from the UK. We brought 
Inez Simpson over from Vancouver Island. We brought, uh, you know, Tom Nicoli in from the Boston area. And it really was because the, at Roy Hunter from the Seattle area. And it really was the intention of, well, I'm not going to go out there. So let me just bring you here. I had been running a hypnosis meetup group. So, you know, it's the, uh, what's the uh, scene from the Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland movies of the, hey, my uncle's got a barn. Let's put on a show. (laughs) Hey, I got a big office. Let's do the training here. Hey, here's this guy, Oscar, locally. He's a real estate agent. We can use their classroom. So it became, again, the mindset of let's put on the show here. So Mm -hmm. it's where... I would sometimes have people who had trained with me as my students asking me questions about, hey, this Roy Hunter thing, should I come do that? And the answer was, I am only hosting the things at this point that I want to be a student in attendance at. Yeah. You know? So, and as I kept that up, as I kept up my meetup, there suddenly was a day where I looked out at my meetup group and realized it's the same 20 people every month. And from the magic world, the line is uh, the amateur changes their act, the professional changes their audience. And within the next two weeks, that's when this podcast was launched. That's very cool. Uh, Prior to that... I think that answered your question, though, but... (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. it it gives the history of of how how you came to put this podcast together and and also why you did it, you know? Well, it's, it's, again, it's, call it a bit of a passion project because... You know, I'm having the people on that I reach out to, and um, I, I would comfortably share the, uh, let's phrase it the fun way, here is your exact strategy to not be a guest on my program. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Which would be to send me the message saying, hey, I need to promote my class, when can I come on your program? So first of all, you've got an implied that I just will have you on there, and second of all, um, you know, in the preamble before we hit, we hit the recording button, you know, I'll ask the person who's going to be on the program, is there something you want me to seamlessly transition you back towards to promote at the end of this? Um, yeah. Because it's not just tell us about this, sell us that. No, it's let's have this conversation. Um, yep. This is not a pitch ground. It's the, you know, let's talk this thing through. What's it like to be in your office and I'm a client? You know, what's that experience? What's a lesson you learned the hard way by training classes, you know, to really just get into the conversation and really have the experience of what it's like to be with that person? It's, it's kind of like when I'm at the pub and, and I'm talking with my friends, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. What have you been up to? Uh, I, I almost always say, uh, and what are you working on now? Or yeah. where are you now? You know, so when you can, when you can, have a conversation with somebody and you can say, well, what is it you're working on now? That's, that's an opportunity for them to tell you about what they're doing. So why don't I do it right now? What are you working on, Jason? Yeah. What am I working on? Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, there's a mindset of leveraging success, which back to the days of stagehypnosiscenter.com with Jeffrey and Wendy Ronning, um, there was a time that I wrote a little bit of a blog post for them all about this theme, that the mindset is always that of leveraging everything you're doing right now to be one step ahead. So you know, it's part of the mindset, as I'm a bit of a stand-up comedy junkie, I've never done it, but I've listened to every bit of it that I can. I'm amused by you know, the days of George Carlin would do the HBO special because then mm-hmm. he can't tour with that act. You know, the audience would complain, oh, he did that on TV. 
Um, you know, Louis C.K. will have a new hour every year. And there's an amazing documentary called Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld, where you see him on the road testing out new material. And I was actually in the audience one night where he just showed up. And it was incredible wow. to see him not do well. It was outstanding. And I enjoyed it. I love the process. It made him a real person. It made right? him a real person. I mean, he's yep. up there wearing his glasses. He's reading off a legal pad and he's crossing things out. And as he, he just banded a routine halfway through it. And crack the joke. Yeah, that one's not going to HBO. So it's where, back to the phrase I mentioned before, the amateur changes their act, the professional changes their audience. I love this hypnosis profession. That being said, there are things that I do that can reach a bigger audience. So one of my goals in 2017, and there's already quite a bit of uh, infrastructure being built out as we speak, uh, to take a lot of the same things that many of you already see me do and bring it out to the muggles, <laughs> bring it out to the larger general community that you know, we can we can stay behind our closed doors and have the shut eye conversation in terms of what we know and what we understand. Yet it's that ability to well, the podcast that just came out, um, you know, last week, number 99 with Robert Otto hits the theme. Exactly. He did like three weeks of one to one client sessions and then decided, hey, I've never done any real public speaking, but I want to do groups. And he launched into this incredible 20-plus-year career of being one of the leaders of doing these seminars for 300, 400 people in the room. The, the message, the, the phrase that I keep landing on is the world has become a lot smaller. And to be in the environment of change with clients, there's a philosophy to the change process that without getting too much into the de details, because it's rare for me to not be calling my shot as I'm doing it, because I'm still piecing it together myself. But it's a right. philosophy, it's a mindset towards change and being the entrepreneur, being that person of action, that you're going to start to see some other projects in the works that follow some of the same systems as to what I've been doing. But again, changing the delivery mechanism, changing the audience. When you were when you were a little thing up uh, at the North Pole, <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you uh, did you think this is what you wanted to do when you grew up? I mean, got older, not taller. If five foot four, how tall are you, Richard? How tall are you, an American? <laughs> an American? Oh well, that's uh, probably five eight. Okay, giant. <laughs> I'm there's a, giant. a there's a story that. There's an interview I actually heard, of all things, of course, on a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the actor, comedian who used to be on Saturday Night Live, Jason Sudeikis, mm -hmm. and who's now done a ton of movies and really good career under him. And there's a moment where in the interview, they ask him, uh, well, what did your parents think about you running off and becoming an actor? And in his comedic, really friendly, likable style, he just laughs and goes, oh, okay, so clearly you didn't do any research. Uh, because his uncle was George Went, you know, yep. Norm from, from Cheers. Cheers. And it's not that Uncle George got him into the acting community. It's not that Uncle George helped him make any connections. But it's more so that he grew up in an environment where running off and becoming an actor wasn't out of the ordinary, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. it was so you were sick. You were six. What did you want to be? Well, it's where well, I rewind the story back a little bit further that nearly everybody in my family was an entrepreneur. 
My parents were wedding photographers, the studios right out of their home. My grandfather owned several furniture stores, owned a jewelry shop, and it was always, we're going to grandpa's store. Um, and nearly everyone in that family, there's stories of going back to my great, great grandfather who was in wow. vaudeville. Um, and, uh, questionable stories about papers that he signed for a couple of meals, knowing that he had a ticket on a boat to the United States a few weeks later. Um, hey, sign these papers. You figure out the details for yourself. Um, yeah. And famous statues of significant, uh, uh, let's call them Soviet leaders that uh, he was the one who carved. Um, so interesting history. So it's where the the mindset of doing something out of the ordinary. So, you know, at six years old, I had a hobby of doing magic. Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't think it was at that point an intention of this is what I'm going to do. But it was always the allowance of, okay, let him do what he wants. You know, where it was a very open environment where to do something that was different. Uh, so I kept up with the magic for quite some time and some some dissatisfaction with the magic mentality is what led me to the hypnosis. Because if I could really do this stuff, I wouldn't need any props. And perhaps right. why at one point the business was titled Magic for the Mind. Hmm. So if you really had to drill it down to say six years old, what was the goal? I was just ravenous for anything magic related at the time. And, and inbred in your DNA was, uh, it sounds like, entertainment and entrepreneurship. Yeah, and again, to watch even my parents as wedding photographers, you yeah. know, it, it's it's the amazing thing that it's the storytelling experience, yet in many ways, if you don't have the party for the photos, they're making the party for the photos. So the the coordination of watching the infrastructure of a wedding, I mean, there I was at 10 years old, assisting them sometimes with double lighting, um, mm -hmm. light on a stick to provide some extra light. And to see how they were in communication with the DJ, with the uh, caterers, with everything else to time things so every photo was exactly what it needed to be. It, it, it seems like even, even back then you were learning systems, like the way – I know you're a big systems guy. Yes. And um, do you think that may have come from your upbringing? I would say so, absolutely, because, again, it comes yeah. down to – find the strategies that work and then find the ways to replicate them. Otherwise we're just reinventing the wheel every time over. Right. Right. Well, in, I, I mean, you help people, um, get their hypnosis businesses, not, not just off the ground, but sometimes into the stratosphere. Yes. Um, so what, what systems would you say used to work? that don't really work now, and what systems do you predict in the future will be at the forefront? Ooh, good one. Good one. Um, and I have a hard time with the first part of that, about what systems don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. um, because of all things, I was on a coaching call with one of my consulting client students this morning, and he's making print ads work. And some people yep. would want to go, oh, that's dead. That doesn't work anymore. When the phrase that, and there's a product that I had for a while that I recently rebranded and relaunched now is Hypnotic Business Systems, thus the systems title. And right. what needed to be clarified was the fact that my real principle is very rarely is it the platform and almost always is it the strategy. 
Uh, there's a there's an incredible story of a friend of mine who owns a franchise of a very special boutique style of gym where you go in and it's only you and the trainer. And that's the only thing there. You're there in this full gym. They've got the cardio stuff. They've got the weights. They've got the machines. But there's no hundred other people at the gym. It's just you and the trainer. And we were having a conversation. I went to meet, meet with him back in the days when I was doing B&I, and he was also a member. And so we got together before their offices opened at like 5 a.m. And, you know, we're talking about success rates. And I'm talking about how this percentage of people will be successful to stop smoking. And this is the filters that need to be addressed to bump up the others as well. And he kind of smiled and he goes, that's why I like what I do as a personal trainer. And he gestured towards all the equipment. He goes, all this stuff works. You just have to show up and use it. Show up and, and use it. And his clientele are people who are prepaying a full year to show up two or three times. And it's called Fitness Together because you are doing fitness together. And yeah. that's the format of it. So again, I'm always the one to go. It's never, it's very rarely the platform. It's almost always the strategy. Um, if I had to really drill it down, it's going to be more of an esoteric answer than it is to say print ads don't work. Or um, what's the one? Thumbtack doesn't work. No, it's not yeah. going to be that. I would say that we're becoming a community that a there's nothing wrong with any mechanism of sales, but the format of direct response, uh, which from our hypnotic perspective, and this is a big thing that I address inside of my talks and my, my teaching, the call this number to book your sessions. That we, we buy what's comfortable for us. We buy what's familiar to us. And instead to follow, excuse me, to follow the mechanism of the funnel where we're building a relationship, we're building an interaction, that will never die. And yep. the platforms may continue to change. You know, um, well, you and I come from a lineage connected back to um, a stage hypnosis instructor who, um, to keep this part of the story a little bit more indirect, uh, at one point was the guy saying, don't do online videos. Mm -hmm. And now his business is online videos. Yes. So it, it's a great way to say that, again, you never want to position yourself on the wrong side of history because, of course, guitar groups are going out of style. <laughs> Said the manager to the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's where, again, to always look at the strategy, what will never die, in my opinion, is either relationship marketing, content marketing, leading with value. So, and it's something that is a big part of what I do. It's where I, I'll comfortably share to look at this program, the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast. There is no clear direct monetary strategy behind it. You know, mm -hmm. I maybe will take the after segment to promote some website or some upcoming training um, when, well, there are other podcasts in this industry that are just sign up for this class, sign up for this class, sign up for this class, you know, and people stop listening for that. So what I think will never die is this concept of building the relationship, building the contact. And it's what some in the marketing world would call a secret selling system. Because I can't directly draw a straight line, but because this is a program that people interact with, I mean, on one side, I'll be at a convention and strangers are coming up to me and they already know me and they're, they're thanking me. They're telling me, oh, that session on the pre-talk, oh, the conversation you did with Jonathan Chase or um, uh, 
But here's someone who goes, hey, I, I just got this one the other day. Hey, I'm out in Vancouver with Kevin Cole taking his NLP training. I signed up because of your podcast with him. Oh, wow. That there's this reach of it that I can't track. Um, does that does that make you feel does that make you feel humble? Does that make you feel how does that make you feel when when you hear that that you have either helped people grow their business vicariously just through a podcast? You didn't know these people. Right, they, right. They listen to your podcast, pick that up. How 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 does that make that's, you feel? That's what keeps this thing going. That's where I mean I hire an outsourced company that does the editing. Um, I have a full-time web programmer nowadays because to drive the, the digital arm of everything that I do, I needed staff. So they're virtual. I've never met them in person, but it's there's a whole mechanism that other people now do the editing. Other people now are editing the websites. And that's what makes it so, I mean, looking at a calendar, I can look and see that next week there's already podcast session recordings that are scheduled. And even if... Joe, the client, calls me up and says, yeah, but I really need that, that Thursday at uh, 10 a.m. next week. Mm -hmm. um, it's where I can say, no, that time's already booked. And uh, assuming everything goes as scheduled, I know that I'm recording with Carl Smith next week at that time, Thursday, 10 a.m. Right. So that's what drives it, because it's where the reach of what you do uh, is something that you only discover. You know, it's where, in the business world, there's a funny theme about, oh, let's create a viral video. And the truth is, you can't. Yep. You can't. No matter how hard you try. Yeah, and it's the stuff that unintentionally becomes viral. There may be sometimes funny things. I flash to the, the video of the girl twerking and falling over on the coffee table and catching her leg on fire. Um, which turned out to be a bit that the Jimmy Kimmel talk show had set, orchestrated. Set up. Yeah, yeah, it was set up. And, yep. you know, maybe something of that nature, but it's where I could have never told you which podcast sessions would have been downloaded the most. Yeah. I could have never have told you, you know, which specific offering would be the one that 30 people have signed up for, which specific webinar that I've done. So it's that constant drive because, again, well, it goes back to... The, the mindset of marketing. Um, I used to do a ton of postcard advertising to schools mm -hmm. and a school would sometimes say, Oh, this was wonderful. I wish you let us know about this years ago. <laughs> and you're laughing because you know, you're thinking I've been mailing you for three I years. Have been. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know which message at which point they need to hear. Mm -hmm. And really it's where in the hypnotic profession, there are people who would often talk down upon direct suggestion hypnosis and understand what we're doing with direct suggestion hypnosis is looking to fabricate that moment of the prestige suggestion where just one statement hits and boom, it clicks. So, I, I, you know, without getting into the specific names and backstories, here's someone who is now seeing 15 to 20 clients a week. And it's a result of this piece of education. And this is a person I can tell you has never paid me a dollar. And I'm just as happy with that one as I am with this one who's taken multiple classes, bought every single product and keeps referring to friends. Because again, it's like that story of sending the postcards. You don't know which message is going to stick. So that's what drives how nowadays I'm a couple of sessions in the can and it's batch recorded and all ready to go. I, I also think as well with you, um, 
you love doing this. It, it like when when I hear your conversations with people, it's you you genuinely are interested in what they have to say and and how they say it. And so it's not it's not work for you. No, no. It's um, it's it's fun and it's life. Well, you hear of and you've heard this, I'm sure, about most of the hypnosis conventions. There's kind of a homecoming to it that mm-hmm. you get to hang out with these people you haven't seen in quite some time, even if they're the locals. <laughs> you know, there's um, local students of mine, uh, Monica Marushek and Ramsey Ayachi, they're NovaHypnosisAndWellness.com, and they're right up the road from me. And we only see each other up in Massachusetts at the NGH convention these days because we're both so busy, yeah. you know, but to, to have this mechanism, this conversation stream, it, it's the opportunity to keep that homecoming going year round. So, yeah, I'm. It's it's as much for me as it is for the audience, and if I'm not enjoying it, I know the audience won't. Very cool, very cool. Which that goes even to stage hypnosis. Around, mm-hmm. you've got to be in that experience. You've got to be enjoying the show as much as them. Back to the magic world, um, you go back into the 17th or 18th century, and Jean Eugène Robert Houdin would say that a magician is an actor playing the role of the magician. So. To be there in the experience with the client um, and for you to be fully, fully invested in the understanding, this person is going to make that change. If you don't believe it, they're not going to believe it and nobody's going to go there. Doug Henning, another great Canadian magician. He believed the magic. You know, he he believed it. Listen, uh, one sec, Jason. Yeah. Ah, there. Had to crack my second (laughs) beer here. Nice. So uh, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, um, and and it's 2032. Taylor Lautner's hosting The Price is Right. <laughs> Where do you, Jason Lynette, think the hypnosis world will look like? What do you think it's going to look like? Where would you love to see it go? I, on one side of things, I see a lot of it continuing as it is in the sense that I do not see the live one-to-one format of seeing clients and personalizing a change process. I don't see that going away. What I see as the next big wave is a momentum of making it more mainstream, Mm -hmm. uh, a bigger momentum in terms of what our reach is and what we can create inside of the process. I like that word momentum. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, because it's, again, a place where... Well, without getting too into the details, there was a point in time where someone asked me to give a comment about how Skype sessions were not the future of the profession. Mm. And I wasn't doing Skype sessions at the time. I wasn't. And I heard that request and I just suddenly went, well, what if they are? And again, I'm not going to sign a a guitar group because they're going out of style. And, you know, that was a... (laughs) mistake when there are so many people um there are so many people that would play the game too heavily if that doesn't work so there there's a mechanism in place of testing out new markets testing out new mechanisms there's a whole style of choose your own adventure learning that exists nowadays and we're seeing a real renaissance in terms of how learning can be achieved And actually benefited by not having to be in the room. So Mm -hmm. I still see live trainings existing, yet um, back to Scott Salen. I think I heard him one time use the phrase of what's called the reverse classroom. 
that they're interacting with the lectures at home, they're meeting in the classroom to do the homework. So there's a renaissance in terms of, you know, again, we have a mutual friend that was used to be the guy of don't do videos, and now his business is videos. Yep. So it's that place of discovering what is possible, where I can think of times where I was thinking that doesn't work. And the better question is, how do I make that work better? I so, love that. Right, right there. You know, I'm a tester. You know, yes. I will take an idea and I will test something, even if it's an old idea and, and uh, test it until I know it doesn't work. Right. Because it, it, it might actually work. It might not work, but if you, if you just come in with the mindset that says, you know, it's not going to work, so there's no sense even trying it, you already start with one foot backwards, as, as I say. Which, you know? unfortunately, if I can really give a criticism, it's something that I run into more than anything else as I interact yeah. with other hypnotists. That as much as we are this profession of the helpers, the healers, the facilitators of change we too often play this game of that won't work when the question needs to be instead, how do I make that work even better? So it's, uh, it's, it's exploring new mechanisms of how easy it is to reach new audiences, exploring mechanisms of how, um, you know, why well, I give a specific example in another industry. Um, you look at the programs that have put out by the company Beachbody uh, mm -hmm. with Tony Horton with P90X and, <laughs> It used to be in the fitness arena, uh, here's the Jane Fonda video, and here's your 45-minute workout, do it at home. And there was something revolutionary about the P90X programs in that you got in the mail this 12 to 14 DVD package, and then you got a workbook, and then based on your goals, you chose a different path of how you interacted with the content. Do you want yep. to lose fat? Watch them in this order. Do you want to gain muscle? Watch them in this order. Do you want to increase your endurance? Watch them in this order. So think about the mechanisms of how the client can now learn a system of doing client-centered hypnosis on themselves. So it's where I don't see any of it falling away. I really just see us adding more options, adding more styles to how we're able to work with people. Do you see more hypnotherapists or hypnotists out there? Yeah, I definitely see more. I'd say the, the phrase that keeps popping up, and it was the whole theme of the Mike Mandel recording, of just there's a, there's a renaissance that's currently going. A very clear shift in terms of, I'll just nail it, the age of the practitioner in this profession, where there's one school of thought holding on to, this is how it's always worked. And there's the other group of people, perhaps inspired by the infomercial, but there's got to be another way. So it's, again, to explore the possibilities of it and just, I, I definitely see there being more of us. And it's how you and I were having a chat before we hit the big red button here about the mindset of uh, competition, mm -hmm. that as of now, there still are not enough stage hypnotists to fill the shows that could benefit from a stage hypnosis program. There are still not mm -hmm. enough hypnotherapists to serve the people who could benefit from the service. There is no saturation as it is right now. But I hear, I hear all the time, Jason, that these shows are, uh, these shows are getting picked up. There's, there's just none left. I know. That's what they're thinking. And uh, they need to change that thinking. Because, yeah. again, if you're not creating, you're waiting. So it's where sometimes you have to discover that market for yourself. Sometimes yeah, you have to create something new. Yeah, yeah. It's what I loved about the, uh, the recording I did with Anthony Gailey. Um, <clears> because he had this idea and there was a suggestion made to him 
and there was nothing to mimic yet and yep. just having to figure it out for himself along the way. Yep. Rather than I'm do, I'm going to do my induction like this person, I'll do my deepeners like this person, I'll use this script from that person. There's something nice about uh, you know, my early years of this. I was kind of self-taught and self-study for many years before anything became formal. And mm-hmm. there are still aspects of things I'm doing now that was me, well, I guess this is how it's supposed to go. I'll do it that way. <laughs> yeah. And you make it up as you go. Very cool. Or, well, it, it's more so finding, it, finding that own style, too, because we all do it differently. Yeah. You know, to credit, yeah. to credit the NGH, their, their elevator speech these days is, we help normal everyday people with normal everyday problems. And they've recently added the extension to that phrase of using individual hypnotic techniques, which mm. what that phrasing means, it allows for you to see a client and you to work in a different style and me to see a client and use a different style. And we both end at the same destination with the same result, but a different path to get there. This is like VH1 behind the music. Do you ever remember that? Do you remember that? Where they would what was go the catchphrase where suddenly then, and that's when things took a turn for the, for the worse. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to go that route. Um, I, I don't want to keep you much longer because uh, you're a busy guy and you've got lots of stuff to do. I just want to end up with a, a couple of uh, brain teasers for you. Yeah. And I'm sure the people listening to this podcast would have as much fun knowing this as I would. So um, your favorite Weird Al song. Uh, fav- and can you sing a bit of it for us? Oh, no for the singing, because <laughs> I know my skills. Um, I am a huge Weird Al fan. Um, I am not a fan of the, what is it? I always, I've been to the concert twice. The yep. man puts on a better show than anybody you will ever see. I don't feel comfortable around the other people that are fans, though. I'll say that politely. Uh, but if I had to pick a favorite one, it's an original song, and many people don't know that Weird Al puts for every album, and he, and he usually has 11 tracks. Uh, mm-hmm. Five are usually parodies, five are usually originals, and one is typically a polka remix of a bunch of songs. And yep. back on the album for UHF, the movie that mm-hmm. he did that dozens of people saw, um, which I recently got to go see an anniversary viewing of, where he and Emo Phillips did live commentary. Six people will be amused by that statement. Uh, <laughs> there's a song called Generic Blues. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love it. And we'll put a link to the YouTube video of it in the show notes. There's no music video for it. Um, but it's a blues song without anything to be bluesy about. Uh, the, oh, the opening lyrics is, I woke up this morning and then I went back to bed. Said I woke up this morning and then I went back to bed. And just repeats the same thing several times. Um. Either that one or there's another original called The Checks in the Mail. Wow, heard which, that a few times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. oddly enough, the, the originals tend to stick out a little bit more than the parodies. I Keep lighting that fire. That was uh, one of the ones that came to mind from the uh, UHF soundtrack, I think. But that's just me. <laughs> I also like uh, King of Suede. Yes. Of course. Yeah. That was uh, another good one. <laughs> Which was King of Pain by Police, but it was all about a fabric salesman. Yes. Yes, sir. Now, seriously, we got we to gotta be serious here. Yes, for a seriously. Serious. Who should play you in a movie? Uh, let's see. I, without any arrogance, sometimes I would get the, uh, let me stereotype for a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. The person who is not from this country and doesn't speak a lot of our language would only ever be the one who says, if I squint, you look like Robert Downey Jr. 
Um, which I'll take him. Why not? <laughs> Maybe it's just because the similar facial hair these days, though I actually have a patch that hair doesn't grow, so I can't do the uh, Iron Man thing. Wow. <laughs> or wow. Uh, to, to credit my uh, half of my Jewish heritage, uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man. Along with the fellow superheroes of Superman and Batman. Iron Man. Iron Man, yes. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I always thought it was a Sasha Baron Cohen type uh, for you. but He's too uh, tall. He's too tall. Though I am upset that he is not now, he's no longer doing the Freddie Mercury movie. Uh, that would have been outstanding. Down, downtown. All right. And uh, finally, last question. Um, if you could travel back in time to visit your six-year-old self, yes. what would you tell yourself? I would say start sooner. That there are several things that, um, you know, in, in life, there's a, there's a real lesson that I'd say, uh, as I say this now at the wise age of actually doing the math in my head to make sure I don't quote it wrong, at the wise age of 34 right now, um, <laughs> there's a lesson, to use the playful phrase, became a true bitch slap of reality in my life. Um, mm -hmm. A turning point around like 29, 30 years old, um, which was that the simple phrase could simply become, uh, there is no such thing as finding the time, there is only making the time. Wow. And if there had to be one message, I'd say it would be that. That um, I'm not someone, and maybe because I haven't done any true deep, dark things that I could comfortably say, I regret that. No, there's always a lesson mm -hmm. to be learned. Um, there are things that, you know, very clearly could have, you know, in retrospect, well, that could have played out better. I could have phrased it this way instead. Or if I knew the rest of the story, I would have maybe, you know, expressed this concern in that specific way. Um, it's the NLP presupposition that the meaning of the communication is the response that it gets. And with that yeah. mindset, you have greater flexibility to drive the communication better. The, the personal thing to myself is, again, that, that phrase, there's no such thing as finding the time. There's only making the time. And I, I think I've actually got the reference wrong on this. I thought this was a writer by the name of Hal Elrod, uh, who wrote an outstanding book called The Miracle Morning. And now that I've said it, it'll be in the show notes. Um, that Hal Elrod's story was that uh, he was dead on the side of the road from a car accident and then revived. And, of course, that was a turning point in his life. And I, I thought the quote was him, though I, I think it might have actually been a guy in the strength training world, Charles Poliquin. Um, but the phrasing of organizing your life to be either one of two filters, either a hell yeah or a no. And if it's somewhere in the middle, it's a no. So it's this place of becoming as decisive and as action-taking as I am um, to have done a lot of the things that I've discovered have become skills, to, to, to jump into things that I have now pioneered and benefited from myself and others have benefited too. And figured it out as you went? And figured it out as I went. It would have been, yeah. you know, on one side, start sooner. You know, on the other side of things, again, there's no such thing as finding the time. There's only making the time. So it's where, um, you know, there, there's a uh, guy in the uh, Gary Vaynerchuk that one of the people he's trained uh, in terms of social media marketing, you know, the phrase, this was in relationship to someone's health goals. He goes, it becomes a time where you need to be a little bit greedy, where it does take effort. And as much as everything I do now is branded under work smart hypnosis, you know, the phrase is that there is work in there. 
You know, there mm-hmm. is effort. Um, and by putting in that effort, and if anything, it would have been to be five or six years ahead of where I am now, though, uh, hey, kids, the journey's just starting. And with that, I'd like to thank you very much for jib-jabbing with me, my friend. Awesome being on your program, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason, that, that was a great story. Listen, where can people find you online? Well, there's this program that I do on occasion <laughs> when I feel like it called, <laughs> called the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, new sessions every Thursday. And uh, hop over there, interact with any of the content there, get on our mailing list because there's all sorts of webinars and presentations and programs, whether it's uh, live classes and pre and post convention talks. I I share, I can reference it here. This is going to be a bit of an exciting year um, because there's uh, a wonderful season of hypnosis conventions coming our way. Hey, you're coming to Canada. Um, I am. Yeah. So, and uh, this year I'll be at the, uh, well, the first ever Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference, uh, the Hypno Expo 2017. That's the IMDHA IAC convention, uh, the NGH convention, the Hypno Thoughts Live convention, Mid America Hypnosis Conference, the Canadian Hypnosis Conference. Quite a bit of travel racking up the air miles. And yeah. um, quite excited for the honor that at uh, four of those I've been invited to give. Um, some of them don't use the terminology, so we'll call it the keynote-style speech at these events. So wow. uh, excited to, again, take the message to a bigger audience. It's Jason Lynette here, and here we go. 70,000-plus downloads, uh, interacting with all of you at various hypnosis conferences and conventions. Those of you that are inside of hypnoticworkers.com and hypnoticbusinesssystems.com, those that I've trained with live and those that I've sat next to at workshops. Thank you all so much. Keep listening to this program. Keep interacting with all things worksmarthypnosis.com. And let me share this uh, post-roll segment to uh, redirect you over to Richard Cole's outstanding information online. Learn more about his stage hypnotist by going to thathypnotistguy.com. And he has two absolutely outstanding products, uh, which you can check out. Uh, One of them is 18K Skit. So 18kskit.com. It's a fabulous stage hypnosis routine you can add to your show to truly make yourself memorable as part of what you do. And if you want to add an absolutely fantastic, fully workshopped routine to your show, check out loveontheleft.com. I will let you discover that one for yourself, whether it's a giant banana or a monkey or anything you'd like to possibly imagine. Uh, But I'll share the stage here with Richard Cole. Thanks again, Richard, for um, interviewing me on this one. Check him out at either thathypnotistguy.com, 18kskit.com, as well as loveontheleft.com. Links, show notes, general good stuff, and perhaps a video of Richard singing the Jason Lynette theme song over at worksmarthypnosis.com. See you for the next hundred. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.